0: Welcome back to Your Friend on the Ground. Today we're talking about Portugal, which I have not very much experience with. The first and only time I went to Portugal, I went with a bunch of people who knew much more about wine than I did, and I was in the Douro Valley running out of wine tastings at 10 o'clock in the morning because I just couldn't handle the idea of Having a variety of different Portuguese wines for breakfast. I was not, I didn't know what I had gotten myself into. Uh, it was beautiful and it was wasted on me. So I'm really excited to have Aparna Shawak with me today. You know her from Indian matchmaking, from her best selling critically acclaimed book, She's Unlikable, and Other Lies That Bring Women Down. And she is kind of an expert in Portugal. I'm really excited to talk to her about it and get into everything that she knows. So Aparna, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to be here today. Lovely to have you on. So yeah, tell me, Portugal, when were you last there? Let's start with that. So it was in September of twenty twenty one. And it was a very
1: last minute trip because actually my girlfriends and I were supposed to go to Morocco that week. And around then the Delta virus hit Morocco really hard. The person we were supposed to have as a tour guide for part of it was like, We're on curfew at four PM every day. You won't be able to see anything. We recommend you don't come. And we were like, but wait, we all took the week off. Like, where do we go? And that week, um, I think the borders had opened up to Americans for Portugal. And we're like, I guess we'll be one of the first people there. And so we quickly canceled our tickets to Morocco, used those COVID, you know, flexibility kind of changes at the time. And we were en route
0: to Lisbon. Very cool. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. You have said that you want to get married in Portugal or you have, you had said that before you went there. Mm-hmm. What, what about Portugal? Before you visited, struck you as like, like, this is a place where I want to have a really big event in my life.
1: So my family, a majority of the ones I'm very close to live in Spain. So I have traveled a lot to Spain, you know, especially my teenagers and adult years to Madrid and the Canary Islands, um, and even Barcelona. And I was like, I want them all to come. I want to make it convenient for them. That's where some of the elders in our family lives. But I was like, I'm kind of over Spain. Like, I don't know. I. I was like, let's try something new, something novel. And I was like, Portugal. And around the time I came up with the idea, like 15 years ago, my um, aunt and uncle went on a road trip um, through Portugal and they found this little town that had like a pedestrian only area. And they asked a woman who was walking by with her shih tzu, because they had a shih tzu too. Like they were like, oh, we would love to walk in there. Is it like member like residents only or can we walk in there? This is in Qashqai, by the way. And the woman turns out to be English. She had quit her job um, in England, and moved to Portugal to become a wedding planner. So she was telling them, no, no, you can come in. And then she looked at them straight in the eye. She's redhead, blue eyes. And she's like, are you guys Cindy by any chance? And my aunt and uncle are oh, no like, like, yes. And she's like, those are the weddings I do the most. So they came back and they were like, we found your wedding planner. And it's this little town called Kashkai, And it's going to be great. And I was like, great. And so I looked her up. She was awesome. I was like, I, I bookmarked her and I was like, I'll be getting married soon. I'll need this. That's so... Well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not getting married soon, no. I was very ambitious. This is like 10 or 15 years ago, probably. I was like maybe 25. And I was like, I'm going to need her in the next couple of years.
0: I mean, look, what does soon mean? Larry, time is relative. Now you know that if and when you do get married in Portugal, this is the woman to go to. This is. This is. But I have decided not to get married in Portugal, so. Okay. Okay. So tell me about that. Why? Gosh, it's a story. You want to hear the story? I want to hear the story. (laughs) And this is the place to tell those stories. Yes. This is
1: a little weird, and I don't know if a lot of people believe in this, so I'm going to preface my story with that. Um, But basically, when I came up with this idea of Portugal, I... I never did the next steps, which a lot of women do, which is a Pinterest board, looking into it. I mean, I literally just bookmarked this woman and was like, I'll deal with it when I deal with it. So in my mind, I guess over time, because I had time, I had figured this out when I was 25, I had like kind of envisioned the wedding and I was like, oh, it'll be at sunset. Oh, it'll be like this yellow building. It'll be on the water and the sun will set behind the mundup, up, which is you now where we get married. As the guests yep. look out, it, it'll be a high tea. It'll be beautiful. Weddings are so boring that I'm going to let them drink tea during mine and like have scones and like do all the things. And so um, that's all. I hadn't thought much about it. And then we were taping Indian matchmaking season two. It had just started the, the day we flew out. I, I taped all day and then got on a flight. And so when I got there, my friends were like, hey, we've we've marked off all of, you know, two days from now, so like day after tomorrow for you and for your wedding planning. I was like, well, I, I don't know much. And they're like, Well, you said you looked into it. And I was like, no, not really. And at that point, my friend from England who had joined us put a book down on the table and she had bought it in the bookstore. And it was by it was Midnight's Library by Matt. How do you pronounce his last name? Haig? Haig? I
0: haven't heard of it, but um, that sounds really interesting.
1: Oh, Midnight's Library sold like 10 million copies. It was like I think they're making it a movie. It was like absolutely everywhere you looked for like two years. (laughs) And. I never read it. I never read it. Clearly, I haven't either. <laughs> right. I mean, this guy is basically also in England. He's like a star now because he is, his book has his books have become so popular. But this Midnight Library like took the world by storm. And I hadn't been meaning to read it. And just two weeks prior, he had started following me on Instagram. He's like eight hundred thousand followers. He's like this um, family man on the beach. Uh, you know, two hours away from London I, in a city I've never heard of. And I was like, it must be a mistake. He must have like pressed that by mistake. Because why would he even be watching Indian matchmaking? And Okay,
0: uh, all right. I, we know how many people watched Indian matchmaking, like the entire world watched Indian But this Indian is
1: September of 2021. We're not in lockdown right. anymore. It's been a year since the show came out, like maybe a year, a year and a month since the show came out. And he literally had just started following me like that week or that week prior. And I was like, this is weird. And so I looked at my fan, Vicky, and I was like, you know, this is a book I need to read. The guy started following me. I'm sure it was a mistake, but I was kind of honored. And, and she, I was like, he's probably unfollowed me. She's like, check. So I pulled it up and no, he had still followed me. And in fact, he liked my recent post. And I was like, okay, I, I guess this author is like a fan of mine. So they, they at the same time, are telling me like, hey, we've, we've given you this whole day to plan. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get married in like a yellow building in Kashkai with like a high T. So I Googled yellow building cash guy high tea and nothing comes up and i'm like okay um yellow hotel cash guy and a hotel comes up a hotel comes up and it is um a fort actually it's an old fort okay it's a valet and chateau hotel chain it has a michelin star restaurant in it it's one of the few michelin stars in the area and i'm like this is where we're wow. going guys So we call them as we're in the car on the way there. And I'm like, hey, we'd like to stop by. I'm wedding planning. And, um, you know, I I would really like to see the place. They're like, well, we have a beautiful high tea here. Would you like to come for the high tea? And I'm like, you have a high tea? And they're like, yes, out on our terrace. It overlooks the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm like, ooh. And then so, and I was telling my friends about this vision I had. And I was like, everyone's in these ghost chairs. Do you know what ghost chairs are? They're like the see-through chairs.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I didn't know that that's what they were called. I just thought they were like lucite chairs or something yeah
1: yeah acrylic chairs is what i thought they were called yeah there you go they're called ghost chairs and and i've like drawn out this whole scene for them explained it you know it's like a two-hour drive out there and and um when we get there to this yellow fort i'm like this is it this is it i don't know how i thought about it but this is the fort and so we go in they give us a little tour and my friend peeks into the michelin star restaurant and she turns like white in the face and she's like it's only ghost chairs and i was like no way and then they lead no us out way. to the terrace. And it's the terrace I had explained to them. Like, if it, I was like, how many people fit out here? They're like about 200. I'm like, hmm. And I was like, and you use the ghost chairs?" He's she's like, He's like, yep, we do. And I'm like, huh. And then I, the sun was setting and the Atlantic was right in front of us. And sure enough, where the mundup would be is where I could hear the water, but the guests could see the sunset. And I was like, this is it. This is where I'm getting married. And uh, my friend's like, this is so creepy. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, how did you... Even, are you sure you didn't Pinterest this place? I was like, I... I have not Pinterested wow. this place. And so um, they're like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, let me give me five minutes alone with this place. I'll walk off. And I have a song I want to walk down the aisle to. I was like, I'm going to put my AirPods in, have a little moment with the song and see if this place fill vibes. So I go down to the water. I put on the song. I'm walking down the aisle to. And I don't feel it. I just, I just don't feel it.
0: Wait a oh minute, okay, to 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 back up, I just want to make sure that i'm I'm clear you're you're planning the wedding, but at this point the 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 person that you're marrying is like in the ether in the ether, so, so it they they exist, but we don't know where they are at this honestly, moment.
1: yes, don't <laughs> don't know how many years in the future they are. Don't know who they are. They could hate Portugal. I understand that, but this was just a vision I had. I was very flexible on it, as you'll see because now I'm no longer getting married there. but I had like a vision. It was like very clear, and I don't know, sure,
0: why. yeah. So I like, get it. And so so then the feeling that you wanted to have, what was and and what was the song? Can you say the song that you put um, in your airport? A Clarkie It's like a song okay. about watching this
1: beautiful girl walk down the line, a little narcissistic. But I saw someone get married <laughs> to that song and I was like, that's so beautiful.
0: No, um, of course. That's like a classic. I mean, yeah, it's like a timeless Bollywood song. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. I, you often hear at weddings. OK, that yeah. that completely makes sense. Yeah. All right. So you're 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 listening to the song. And you just don't. Yeah. You don't feel it. I'm
1: like, I like this place. But like and, and I imagined this. place. I literally brought this place into fruition. I was like, I manifested this place. But then it was like, I don't feel it. And so I go back up to the high tea, and they're like, OK, so we're coming back here in a few years. Like, wh- how, you know, what do we need to plan? And I was like, I don't think so, girls. And they're like, what? And I was like, I'm not getting married here. And. So you're like, why not? I was like, it feels familiar, but like, I just, I just don't think it's for me. Like, I, I think I imagined it, but it, it's really not for me. And we have to stay flexible, right? So then, Vicky, the girl from England, looks at me and she's like, "Do you think you like lived it before? Is this like deja vu?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. It feels like that. It feels like in another lifetime, wow. I was like super happy to be here, and I, I guess kept the vision alive. And you know, I'm Hindu. I believe in past lives. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, that's what the Matt Haig book is about." I was like, what? And she's like, Midnight's Library, that's the whole premise of it, that the girl is about to commit suicide. She's thinking about taking her own life. And she goes to this library and she pulls out different versions of her life that are happening in time and space. And she can pick any one of them. And she was like, I don't know about past lives, but time, like you said, is relative. And is it possible that you are in time and space living this very life? And I was like, i don't know i'm gonna have to think that's a pretty deep thought and she's like maybe you need to read midnight's library and i was
0: like wait hmm. that's crazy oh my mm-hmm. goodness and and the the author had followed you that like the book came onto your radar basically that day no and I, then... I heard
1: about it oh yes it physically come into my radar. but I, I literally had seen it everywhere for years i, I knew about it okay. i knew it was like on my eventual reading list um you know, it was just one of those books that you see every. You're like, I should read it. I mean, it's a bestseller around the world. I should read it. And then he had followed me two weeks prior, September of 2021. Got it, got it, got it. And got it. the book appeared. It was the book she picked up in the airport and put down on our coffee table in Lisbon as I was telling them like, hey, I, I don't have any plans for that day you gave me. I just want a yellow hotel or a yellow building or a, the Atlantic Ocean. And all wow. of this is happening as she's putting the book down. So the next day at this place... She's like, yeah, this is it. And then she's like, maybe it just isn't this lifetime or like this time and space. I'm like, sounds reasonable. If you believe in that, Mm -hmm. that time and space is not linear and that, you know, we don't
0: actually have a concept of it, that we've created it, then that whole thing makes sense. You maybe you already did walk down the aisle there. Maybe you had the wedding in Portugal. So in this lifetime, why not do something else? Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, that's I, what a discovery to make, because now Portugal can just be about like fun and not not planning a wedding. Yeah. So where in the trip did this happen? Was this at the beginning, the middle? This is like end? day two that were there. Day two. OK, mm-hmm. OK. So where where did you go after that? And also, where exactly is this city? Because I've, I've only I'm familiar with Lisbon and Porto and the Douro Valley, but. I don't know much else in Portugal.
1: Okay. Um, well, we were road tripping, so Portugal is very easy for a lot. Maybe it was ambitious at the time. Um, I Of the four women or four of us, there was four of us total. Only me and one other were like, we feel comfortable driving and I ended up just driving the whole week. But we started in Lisbon and we did like, you know, one night there. We did the rickshaw sunset. Yeah. Have you, have you seen those like beautiful tiled rickshaws? I think some, so. Yeah. Some guy convinced us and we had no plans until dinner. And we were like, Actually, that's a good way to just get a lay of the land. And so we jumped in his blue tiled rickshaw and we and we and we cruised around Lisbon and we were like, this is actually kind of comical. Like, this is fine. He took out to these beautiful lookout points and Lisbon's actually oh, quite is. hilly. And so I was like, we would have never made it to like these random lookout spots had this little motor not been motoring us up the hills. Um, sure. and, and so, you know, we had done the timeout market that everyone told us to do. Very common stuff for everyone. We had our espresso martinis and our tapas there. And then we had dinner at Minibar, which is like this. Um, you're going to have to forgive me this whole podcast because I have no Spanish accent. But Jose Diaz oh is like a, okay. a chef. He has like multiple restaurants throughout the country. And um, one of his best known ones is called Minibar. It's kind of like this very... Um, Dark, beautiful art, multi course kind of place, um, and so we were going there for dinner, but our reservation was like eight thirty, and then it was that next day that we jumped in our car to go to it was my wedding day <laughs> the next day, the day we were planning my wedding anyway I and understood. it was yeah, and it was on the way to Sintra, and um Sintra is where everybody goes for those famous castles, like you'll see every influencer girl mm. in her flowy dress at a yellow castle that's Sintra. And so when we got there, we're like, okay, let's go see this castle. You know, we got to get to by by sunset for this tea. And we had a couple of stops along the way. And so I was like, we got to make this quick. And I was like, in and out of the castle. (laughs) And we get to the place where you park for the castle. And I'm like, where is it? And the guy's like three miles up that cliff. And I'm like, what? And he's like, a van has to take you up there. So we get into this open Jeep van thing. We pay the guy 10 euros each and he takes us to the castle and we get there. And there was a line like he has never he's like, I've never seen a line like this before. It's going to take like three hours. Like he, it was oh, wrapping around goodness. the castle, going down the like the hill. Like, I don't know what this line was about. It was like a Tuesday at this point or like a Monday. And I'm like,
0: is this and and was your idea just to like walk, go inside the castle? You're not just like walking around the outside. And
1: I think it's all together. Once you go in, there's I that see. terrace that everybody takes pictures in and then this beautiful castle and. It just looked very okay. picturesque. And I was like, sounds like something we should do. Because remember, we were supposed to go to Morocco. So we had a perfect Moroccan trip plan. But some of right. our Portugal details were a little hazy. We're a little, we're kind of going with it. Um, yeah. So, so then we were like, okay, we're going to call it. We're not going to go. We're not going to go. There. So we Listen, go back I've, down.
0: I've been there. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. You're just like, hmm, do we wait in this line? Do we just head out? So we take our 10 euro truck downhill. And we start driving towards Qashqai. And that's where that hotel is. And now we have some time because no castle happened. So we start uh, looking up quick things to do. And there's this beautiful spot um, called Cabo de Roca. I guess it means like Beach of Rock. I don't know, Beach of Rocks or something. But it's the westernmost point in Portugal. And it's where they used to set sail. Like um, Christopher Columbus, all those people. They set sail from this very point. And so it's kind of like where explorers would... You know, their wives would stand on the cliffs and wave to them and their families. And so you can go there today. And it's very beautiful. You get there and you get to walk these, like, jagged cliffs in your flip-flops um, with other tourists. And um, <laughs> it, very unsafe looking back. And it, there's just, like, this. there is a sense of adventure there. I mean, maybe we made it up, but it just feels like a place where they would set sail. Like, where people were like, "Yeah, from this point, I'm going to... But
0: because remember, they thought the world was flat. They're were like, we're going to fall off the edge. They thought that's where the world ended. Totally. Into the great unknown. Yeah. I'm trying to picture these rocks. Are these like, are, are we talking like pebbles or are these like big, like, like the point of the rock is like poking through your flip flop?
1: It's like a rocky terrain on like the head of the top of like a high plateau that looks out onto the Atlantic Ocean. So you can walk it. It's not very pebbly in any way, but it's jagged um i've not been to ireland i assume it's something like those irish cliffs that everybody goes to not as green obviously black rocks everywhere a lighthouse because that is obviously um where a lot of ship traffic used to be I, we didn't see any at this point point. and um yeah it's, it's just very windy out there too there's like mm. a like a monument to these explorers with like a compass on it and yeah it's a good place it was a good pit stop we were very pleased and then we found um you know, uh, a bar that kind of overlooked it like half a mile away. We like quickly looked on Google and then we went. And I was just going it. to
0: ask like, yeah, that sounds like an ideal place to
1: right? to yeah. have a drink. Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is a good spot. And um, and then and then it was almost time for sunset. and We're like, we got to go. So that's when we headed to Kashkai, and found the Yellow Hotel and had our tea. And uh, then we we called it after the tea. We had eaten a lot. You know, the sun had set and we're like, let's just drive back to Lisbon. And so we did. It's only like, I think, an hour drive, hour and a half freeways. Like you jump on a highway
0: and you're there in like an hour, hour and a half to Portu- uh, to Lisbon. I'm very impressed by your intrepid approach to, to driving in a foreign country, which I have I've never done. I've been a passenger in a car in Australia freaking out because we were driving on the wrong side of the road. And uh, we we turned around after 10 minutes because I, I I wasn't even driving and I couldn't handle it. And I was just making the driver nervous. <laughs> so, anyway, what uh what kind of car were you driving?
1: It was automatic and they drive on the same side of the road as America. That's why I was like, oh, come on. Like, this is too easy. Um, we just got it last minute from one of those European companies. I don't think it was very expensive. Again, tourism is pretty much dead in September of 2021. So...
0: Mm, Everything we
1: got was extremely reasonable and extremely available. um, Yeah. And that was really nice for us.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. Who doesn't like that? Tell me about the food in Portugal. From what I know, it's a lot of pork Mm -hmm. and a lot of potatoes. Yes. But I went more than 10 years ago, so things could have changed. And again, I didn't. I only scratched a very tiny bit of the surface, so... Mm -hmm. What, what were you eating there? What did you like?
1: So I thought it was really interesting to go to one of their chef's restaurants, this Jose Ovias, because it gave me an insight into how their food is changing and, and how they're inventing and being innovative with, with their cuisine. And um, it was it was very interesting flavors that you could obviously see that this was a place that used its spices that ha- it had gotten over time through trade that was very integrated into the food. Um, they were being very inventive with the, the, the textures. There was a lot of gelatinous stuff or like, you know, and I was like, this is really cool. Um, and then we did do a food tour in Porto, which I thought was interesting because the whole point of that was, what are they actually eating? Like, we can go to all these nice restaurants and we went to like a Pan-Asian restaurant one night and the Jose of Villas one night. And I'm like, what? You know, we did the high tea at the Michelin star hotel one night. And these are not really the foods that they eat. And so, right. The food tour in Porto was really fun because we did get to try a lot of the things that they love. their Their fruit, um, they're yeah, you know, they have very fresh fruit. They're very proud of that. They're it's usually from their country. Um, they support local. They're big on that. And um, sardines, I don't eat them, but everyone in the group tried them. That is a very famous export of theirs and a big part of their tourism industry. And they have many different types in these very artful boxes, um, which was really fun to see. But again, I don't eat sardines. And then we had those pork sandwiches like he took us to a tavern where like workers go and people in their lunch break. And we have one of those big fluffy pork sandwiches like on big bread. And and they have a single wine grape called Espada that's really sweet. And people drink it at like lunch. It's like kind of sparkling, but kind of not. It tastes a little bit like a juice. And I was like, this is nice. And he's like, be careful. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's stronger than you <laughs> They'll think. They'll sneak up on you. Yeah.
1: And I was like, this is a lunchtime drink. He's like, for the people who come to taverns, yes. Um, so, I, I, Yeah, I thought that was a really fun tour. He took us to a market, showed us like the butcher area, the seafood area, explained the fish that are you know coming out of the ocean there and why they're special to that region. So I do think that's a good thing to do if you're doing a blitz tour of Portugal mm-hmm. like we were um, to just kind of get more plugged in to everyday food and more local food in a quick in a quick way
0: (laughs) yeah i i one of my favorite things to do in a foreign country is to go to a supermarket or a a farmer's market both ideally just to see what people what is on the shelf what what the vendors are selling what people are eating it's such a fascinating way to to learn about a different culture
1: Mm -hmm. and we were lucky we were going to those kinds of stores along the way because we were in our car and we're like, oh, we need snacks. Oh, we need to fill up gas. Oh, like we were in the convenience stores. It was really a cool way to see the country, too, because we were traveling like they were traveling. And again, there was no real tourism at the point. So we were hopefully kind of blending in. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. Well,
0: I I mean, a country like I, I think Portugal and a lot of other European countries are depending on tourism for a decent chunk of their economy. So I, I think you were, you're were talking about September 2021, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, as as things were opening up, I think a lot of countries were wanting more tourists just to like kind of get all of these businesses going again. Um, and now we're in the summer of like peak European travel. Yeah, it's like
1: <laughs> I was supposed to go to London for a couple of weeks, and I'm just like, I can't do it this year. It's like it's like peak. It's like I've never seen it like this before. The plane tickets are reflecting at the hotels, the hordes of people. I'm like, this doesn't sound like fun. I'm going to go in shoulder season. <laughs> Hit me up in September, October.
0: Yeah. The, the plane tickets are out of this world expensive. Okay. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, it's great that you, you were able to kind of get the Portugal, get the Portuguese experience before it got overrun by people. What uh so you you did the food tour in Porto. Uh where where were you staying? Um was it was there a favorite hotel or Airbnb or mm-hmm. what, that place that you stayed on this trip? Yeah, we split Airbnb and hotels just
1: so we could get a lay of the land and great Airbnbs were um available because again, everything was like rare fine. This place is never available. And I'm like, mm, Yeah, but it's available now. And so in Lisbon, someone had told us about these apartments called the Lisboan. And um, I guess it's kind of a hotel of apartments. And we had our own kitchen. They gave us breakfast in the morning, you know, fresh jams, croissant, fresh orange juice. Um, and we were four women, so a two-bedroom apartment was really convenient. Um, and then we did the same in Porto. We stayed in Airbnb because, again, one of these rare gems on Airbnb was available. Um, in between those two, we did go to a place called Land. L-A-N-D. Is that Land? Mm. Land? Land. 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 Yeah. So that's like a vineyard in the middle of um, their largest region of wine. It was called El uh, Al- Agento? Elenteo? Elenteo is, is the wine region that takes up a third of all the wine in Portugal. And it's really known for their red wines. And we added this to this trip that was already packed just because it looks so interesting. Like we've seen a lot of our friends go to Portugal and this was just something in a region that no one had gone to. And we're like, let's swing back, Let's just swing high for a night. And it was beautiful. Yeah. Like it, this part of um, Portugal is more dry. It's known for their olive grove. So we were like in the middle of an mm. olive grove. We were eating the freshest olive oil I've ever had. It was beautiful. They had a Caudalie spa. It's lovely. Uh they we got a huge bungalow and our own pool. And the property was just stunning. I mean, you were literally in a vineyard. And we thought that was really How special. Cool. Yeah. And I'm glad we did that. Like our dinner one night was just like charcuterie to our room. Like we were just like room service and they they haven't, it. it's a luxury hotel full of bungalows and uh, and wine. And we just sat out by our pool. It's known for stargazing in this area. The stars were literally Whoa. so bright. I, I was like, where am I? It was, they lit up the sky. So we just lay in our huge pool area on these like chairs and ate our charcuterie, drank our wine and stargazed. I mean, it was a very surprising, fun stop. It took us a little out of the way. It takes you a little east than staying on the coast and just doing Lisbon and Porto. Um, but I think it was really special. It was, it was a yeah, really, it was a highlight.
0: I I'm looking it up right now. It looks beautiful. And yeah, Alentejo is Alentejo. is where it is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this that that looks heavenly. And you know, going out of the way on a trip like this, when you've got a car, I mean that's what you're there for. You're there for those. Unexpected experiences like that, like, gosh, a charcuterie plate as room service. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Who, who wouldn't want that? And what was fun, too, is that we would always stop. Like, you know, that, that rock place,
1: Cabo de Roca, that was not on our agenda. And when we were going from um, to Lisbon to, to La, la Ande, if you will, Alahanta, there was this town called Ivora, and it's known for, like, their chapel of bones. And basically, in the 16th century, 17th century, there was too much land around them that was valuable for farming, but it was filled with graveyards. And so they, like, moved all the bones to, like, this chapel, but they hung them on the wall. So when you walk in, it's just, like, skeletons of people and their skulls, like, in this in this very, like, Whoa. amazing Jesus-worshipping church. And it's kind of, like, weird because you don't usually see so much death in a church. Um yeah, what a cool pit stop. We went to like a couple of local stores there, we went to like a place that was weaving their own baskets in like a very typical way of Portugal. And, um, you know, we went to their convenience store and bought some fresh cheese and wine of that region because that was our first taste of this region before we hit land. And I think it was moments like that that kept us really busy on the road trip that you miss
0: when you're not in the car, when you're just going totally. place to place. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're if you're in an Uber or you're doing a car service or something like that, you kind of you miss all of those all of those pit stops and opportunities to just swerve uh, off your agenda. When you travel, how uh, would you say that you are someone that that do you plan every day or do you have a couple things planned and leave stuff to chance or is everything left to chance?
1: It depends on the location and how much time I have. This was actually pretty planned. Like, I was like, I think we want to stop in Evora. It's not like we literally swung off the road. But we were like, hey, if we're tight on time, we'll just skip it and go straight to the vineyard. But it looks kind of cool. If we have the time, we'll stop. And then once we got there, we were like, what are the couple of things to do here? Or we had already, like, I knew about this Chapel of Bones. I was like, well, let's go. Um, but usually, like, if it's Japan, it's fully planned. <laughs> if it's London, where I'm very comfortable, it's not fully planned. I have a couple of dinners maybe and a tea. So I kind of do it based on my comfort and based on what that place offers. Like, I feel like Japan needs a lot of reservations It needs a lot of, you know, logistics. Yeah. And Portugal kind of needed that because we had to book one night at a time. We had to know our general, you know, road trip schedule. We weren't just finding places when we landed like in a in a city. And so, yeah, this actually took a lot of a lot of work, even though we didn't do it full fully. Even though we got there, you know, with not with some holes here
0: and there, which I would have preferred not to have had, um, it was still like a lot of work. I used to be a person that wanted to have everything planned and was looking at TripAdvisor reviews and Yelp and Instagram. And eventually your head just gets so clouded with all of this information and conflicting opinions that it's like a paralysis of choice.
1: But that's uh, how I found I- land. I like typed in. I have this thing that I do before I go to any city I type in the city's name, or yeah, the city's name and Condé Nast. That's it. Lisbon, Condé Nast. And then you get all the articles in the past 10 years, not only from Condé Nast, but CN Traveler, Architectural Digest. And that's, land was like featured, I think, in AD. And I was like, oh, oh, this looks cool. And it just spoke to me. So I'm not, I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just like, I pick very, I I don't know if it's the right choice, but I'm like, land looks cool.
0: We're going. This is vetted. Someone has been here and and said that it's worth going to. That's a very smart thing to do. I am going to steal that and start doing it myself. (laughs) It also gives you
1: sometimes like the newest stuff that even I do. If I go to London, I'm like Conde Nast London, and there's something written in 2022, and I haven't been since then. I'm like, oh, a new restaurant, a new tease. Oh, like an avant garde wing of the museum has opened up. Like there's just things you don't know that these luxury travel magazines work really hard to compile for you. And I'm like, why not take that resource?
0: Absolutely. What's a new destination, new to you, like a place you haven't been to yet that's on your list like that that you're trying to get to sooner than later?
1: Um, I have a couple. Some of them are stretches. Some of them are not. Um, I would love to still do the Atacama Desert in Chile with the Bolivian salt flats. Um, I had that trip planned in February of 2020. And uh, the government was like, the people were trying to do a coup or something and you couldn't get to the Salt Flats. And so I ended up going to Jordan. This was becoming like a trend in my life where I'm like, I can't go to this country. I will go somewhere else. and um, Reroute. But I've never made it. And, and, you know, after Indian matchmaking, one of my key lines was talking about this man, because I was planning this trip in February 2020. I had been telling a man on the date about the Salt Flats and he was just not having it. He was like, I don't know why you're going here. Like, And I was like, this man didn't even know Bolivia had salt flats. So it feels almost ironic that I haven't been. uh, The Google searches insights Like people were sending them to me in July of 2020 when the show came out. And like it was like a nine hundred and forty thousand percent increase in the Bolivian salt flats on Google. And I'm like, they should pay me to.
0: They I was just going to say, yeah, you need to be the ambassador, Mm -hmm. the official ambassador of the Bolivian salt flats. I think Mm -hmm. that would that that would. It would just make sense. Have you seen? Um, I think Gray Malin did a series of portraits over the Bolivian salt flats with llamas and balloons yes. and things like that. He yeah.
1: knew. He knew. <laughs> he did
0: know. He, he did know. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I like that the Chile side gives you that experience of the Atacama Desert. I think that's a very unique spot. Have you been to the? Atacama? I
0: haven't actually, and I, I, I didn't. I've been to Chile, but I have not been to the Atacama Desert, and I actually didn't know that Chile was on the border of it. I, I thought that it was all Bolivia, so uh, this is news to me.
1: Yeah, and there's beautiful luxury hotels there. A lot of architectural places are opening up, um, and it's really becoming a luxury tourism spot.
0: Very cool. So, so okay, so you're, you're, you're trying to get—I mean, it, it only makes sense. You've got to go to the Bolivian Salt Flats. And Uzbekistan,
1: uh, I feel like that's, that became really popular right before COVID. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And now every, no one's going. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's time to give a resurgence of Uzbekistan. Um, and I've always wanted to go to Mongolia, just like do that, um, yurt. There was a luxury like yurt experience you can do and you're like on a horseback for days. And it's supposed to be very meditative. And the, it's just like a whole different world in Mongolia. So one day do you do you know how to ride a horse? Not well, no. I've been on one like four times in my life, but I was like it's okay. Meditative. I did Vipassana once. It would be the same except on a horse.
0: Wow. I okay, I I've, I've never been on a horse. I'm so terrified. I I I'm basically afraid of falling off, mm-hmm. but um I I really am quite impressed with how how adventurous you are. These are not destinations that are like I want to go to the Caribbean. I want to go to the Maldives. <laughs> like um, those are very much like fly and flop destinations, which yeah. are all well and good. I love to do that too. But uh, you're you're talking some serious like adventure. Well, I've
1: been missing it. I haven't done it in a few years, and I think it's time. I think it's time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm. I I can't wait to to see where you land next. Uh, you are working on a docu-series now. Yes. Tell me more about that. The docu-series has not become a docu-feature as of two weeks ago. <laughs> the market Exciting. is crazy.
1: Yeah, the market is too crazy right now. And, and uh, you know, people in the industry were giving us advice, basically. And um, I think the docu-feature will also be more punchy and more, um, yeah, more punchy, I think. Like, it gives you a lot more information in a condensed amount of time, so it's more interesting, almost. Um so basically the premise of it is I created the show and I'm the talent of the show again I don't know it's like a larkigo again I'm sorry but um it's just kind of That's a, a spin off of uh, season 2 of Indian matchmaking where I have this Vedic astrologer named Sophie and she reads my birth chart and that was also done in season 1 by uncle dilip the the astrologer and what's interesting is in, in real life off the camera Sophie did read my birth chart and for, for like two or three hours. And she's very intuitive. Um, she uses Western astrology, uh, Vedic astrology, the cards, the playing cards of deck um, you know that people used to use in the day. And and she was like, did you know that you're psychic? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I've never heard anybody's thoughts before they said them or anything. She's like, that's not what I mean. You have like this powerful ability to manifest. Like you were maybe the third most psychic person I've ever met. And I was like, I still don't feel that way. My life hasn't gone great. Oh. You know, things have not been hunky dory in my life. Read my memoir. Uh, and she was like, yeah, but you just haven't tapped into it. And if you tapped into it, your life as you know it could be expansive. And so she's like, you should see how people are doing this. And so we go off to India on a quest by episode one, minute seven, but now minute seven of a movie. And we literally start in the cities and we start talking to past life regressionists. We start doing the practices. Uh, I go to a tantric priest. We've decided I'm going to be then moving on to Goa and doing plant medicine for the first time. Um, we're going to the Nadi astrologers. They're a Thummel tribe um, that believes that they hold the records to your souls on palm leaves and they keep them in 2000 year batches. And so Whoa. the theory goes that if you go to this astrologer and you put your thumbprint down, that they will find your book. And in your book of 200 leaves, one of them is yours. And it was interesting. We did it and they found our leaves. And it was it was bizarre because yeah, at first I was like, I don't know if I believe. Um, and so our show is called Records of Souls and it's kind of based on that. And then we'll go to more remote areas. We'll go to the Black Magic Village in Assam. We'll go up to the border of Pakistan and live with a tribal musician. And then we'll end in Ladakh um, with the female monks. And the question is, is, what have they gained from this lifestyle? But also, what are, what are people losing? As you go more into a world where you want to expand your life or your connection to the world around you, what do you also have to sacrifice? And I think in this post-COVID era, era so many of us are asking these questions. Like, you've seen, like, Gabby Bernstein and, and Gary Vee and this manifestation talk, like, it's become very mainstream, whereas maybe five years ago, someone would be like, that's pretty woo woo. And I'm like, is it nowadays? Like everywhere.
0: Yeah, it is. It is everywhere. Yeah, it's right in in business advice and all all over the place. So have you filmed? Uh, have you how much of this have you filmed? Are you uh, figuring out how how to film it?
1: Yeah, we have not filmed any of it. But when I was on my book tour in. Was it April 2022 in India for a month? Um, I had some like time off in between like the book launch events in different cities. And so I would go and check out a few of these. I, would, I did a past life regression and I was like, this is interesting. It was very interesting. In fact, and I went to the naughty astrologers. I didn't want to do too much because I didn't want to ruin when we go and intake it one, one day. Um, but I just wanted to also know viability. When you're creating a show or a documentary, at the time, docuseries across the world with a topic you're not familiar with. I think checking viability in person is probably a good idea. Um, And I have a director and a producer on the team and they're like, can you go check out this place? I'm like, yeah. So in April of 2022, I dabbled just to see what's up. And now we feel pretty confident that we would be able to do that um, in the month before filming, like find more of these people or connect with people in these places. Like we don't have a person in the Black Magic Village in Assam, but it's interesting when I was talking to people in April of 2022 about it and um, I was in Delhi and it was one of my book launch events and the HarperCollins team was there and like other new people that I had met and I was telling them I-, I really need to get to this Black Magic village and um, girls like oh my aunt lives there and someone else is like oh I know someone else connect her with this person and that's a big part of the show too that like I gained this motley crew along the way and um, that supports me and that's such a go eastern mentality that my individual quest is actually one of the collective and um, that's a beautiful thing about india that's why we chose the place
0: yeah of course it really you know for such an enormous country with a huge population india can be a very small world and mm-hmm. and yeah you may you may only be a few degrees of separation from from anyone that you want to connect with out yeah. there from an ant
1: in a black magic village
0: that is very very cool. I can't wait to see this movie. I, I'm plant medicine in Goa. Yeah. What what do we know about that? Are we talking like ayahuasca mushrooms? Like we found a guide. I don't take Tylenol.
1: I don't drink coffee. I barely drink alcohol. I've never done recreational drugs. Like this is gonna be a little bit of a conflict for me. But um, he seems pretty legit. Six years ago, he worked in a call center in Bangalore, and then he got like a calling in Goa uh, during one of his trips, I guess. And now he's like become a guide for people and he's been doing it for six years. And someone who knew someone who knew someone stumbled upon him and we chatted with him on Zoom. And I was like, "Okay, we're doing this one day. We're doing this one day. So we'll figure out what the substance is at the time. But
0: at least we have a guide. You will have to report back because I might be I might be interested in doing that, too. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are doing it in Peru and Um, You know, even in London, there's a few places outside the city, but I don't know how it works in India. So, And Goa is kind of like the heart of this exploration, I would say.
0: Yeah, Goa is a really interesting place. I know they have music festivals there and there's, of course, there are all the hotels along the beach, but it does feel like the part of India that is maybe more... Leaning into the woo-woo stuff for lack of better for lack of a better word or making it more palatable to foreigners. Mm -hmm. Um to and I consider myself a foreigner to a degree because (laughs) I grew up in America and (laughs) yeah, I'm not I can I'm Indian by ethnicity, but I definitely don't know my way around there like someone who was born and raised in India would. Uh but yeah, Goa seems to be It's Tulum. Exactly. It's like a Tulum vibe. That is the right comparison. It is a Tulum vibe, the Tulum of India. Exactly. I've never been actually. So
1: there's a lot of places I haven't been in India. And that's surprising because I've been 50 times and we went to the same places. That's what a lot of, you know, uh, people who don't live in India and go to, they go to the same place over and over again to visit family or the connections they have or the nostalgia that their family has. And I've never been to Assam. Assam. I've never been to the border of Pakistan. Actually, I have in Rajasthan. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I've never been to Goa. I, I, I went to Hyderabad for the first time when I was you know meeting the Tamil tribe. And I think this is, these are the parts of India that we don't see. These are the corners that haven't been in our Western media or even I think in their media, you know, uh, hopefully it gets licensed in India as well. And, and Indians in India will be seeing this show or this movie. Yeah, I think it'll be, it's definitely different. That's what
0: I'm saying. We haven't found a comp to it yet, so we'll be the first. Yeah, oh, that's that's really exciting. Well, I want to dive into the, the burning question that I ask every guest on Your Friend on the Ground. What are the five things you never travel without? I wanted to be very honest with this, but it like outs me as being like the unsexiest traveler in the world. Uh, Listen... But- Listen, we're all unsexy when we travel. Like let's let's be real. No,
1: I see those women on the plane and like looking flawless and like I'm like, Oh, it's you. It's not me. <laughs> um it's not me, that's for sure. I wear compression socks. Even on forty five minute flights. My family has like a I think we have a rotter retention problem. Even my mom gets like cankles and swollen wrists on like short flights. And so I found out about Compression socks from a doctor, friends of mine, they wear them during surgery. And I was like, okay. I want surgical grade ones. And so they like led me to surgical grade compression socks and I wear those. And um, I, te- what brand is that? I don't remember. I have so many of them. They're like, I can tell you later, but I don't know what brand. Yes. It is. Okay. They're $60. Okay. And I have like three pairs and I just rotate them out. And, um, you know, as I wash them and go, uh, I can't travel without them though. Okay. I-, I literally won't get on a flight to Dallas, a 45 minute flight without wearing my compression socks I do speaking engagements now and it's like becoming problematic because sometimes I have to get off at the plane and go straight to a speaking engagement and I have like the marks on my leg of compression <laughs> socks and I'm like well it's either that or my candles <laughs> right
0: at least I'm not retaining water right it's all good right um
1: another thing I take nowadays is I used to take a plain pillow you know we all do um but I bought a pillow cube it's like a square pillow that is actually for your bed at night and it's for side sleepers who um want to align their spine and it's actually Mm. quite smushy and so i like smush it into a pocket of my personal carry-on and i use it on the plane with its own special pillowcase because i sleep
0: on my tray table because i'm so short um or in business class obviously you're laid back and then um when you sleep on your tray table like like you're like your head is down on
1: the tray table Mm -hmm. yeah because i'm in economy plus on united always and i'm in the exit row it's like huge so like you can just. I'm yeah. five three. You just lean over, put your pillow cube on the thing. I've already Lysoled the whole thing, and I'm using a special pillowcase that I have for my pillow cube for planes. That gets washed very frequently, like, every time.
0: That doesn't hurt. Like your, I'm, I'm just imagining my neck, like, like being in that C shape. That doesn't hurt. No, you try it with the pillow cube.
1: <laughs> Magical. Maybe I will. And then if I go to a hotel and I don't like their pillows, I have my pillow cube. So then I have two pillow, fresh pillowcases in my suitcase and. I can change out the nasty, plain one because you don't want that in your bed, you know?
0: Uh, yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah,
1: And then I the Laneige lip mask that everybody takes, have to do that. Um, that two pairs good. of headphones because I, I do this a lot. I just lost my AirPods. as I was telling you before this, and I had like a pair of the actual wire ones and then the United ones. And I just a couple of pairs because I'm one of those people that wants headphones but might lose a headphone. To, totally sure. crossable and the last one's kind of weird um i love these um ayurvedic cough pellets um called oh. kanthil k a n t h i l and because especially nowadays if you even get like a scratch in your throat people give you the nastiest looks they're like this is it this woman's infecting me and i'm like I actually just have really bad allergies in like my throat but you can't say that and so I keep this little, um, it's like a little circular case with me and I like pop those underneath my tongue and they just like soothe your throat immediately and um, I find them very helpful. So I went to Amazon and I bought a six pack and I keep them in every purse, carry-on bag. There's usually one on my nightstand and it worked well for the
0: past year or two. That is so smart. I might need to do that too because, yeah, I I have been that person on a plane who has had a coughing fit for whatever reason like Mm -hmm. you you like choke on water whatever it is and everyone glares at you and I've Mm -hmm. also been the person that is glaring at the person that just sneezed 11 times Mm -hmm. because I'm like like like, seriously we're doing this but it totally happens so uh yeah anything anything to like yeah let keep the eyes off of you and just not be that person yeah. on a flight even in your
1: ubers even on the subway even anywhere if you just start even <coughs> people like oh gosh oh gosh <laughs> this lady and i'm like oh gosh so Kunthul, break out the mask it, literally kundhal is everywhere i go and now it's so funny like a lot of my friends are not south asian
0: and and they have it everywhere i'm just like what i'm like i'm spreading Kunthal around the world what can i say very cool. That's another, you can, you can become the ambassador of Cunthol too. <laughs> we've got, we've got all sorts of sponsorship ideas for I you. Know, I know. Well, this has been wonderful. I want to go to Portugal. I want to go to the Bolivian salt flats. I want to go to Goa. I mean, you're, you're international just I like mean, Pitbull. Yeah. Three or five. <laughs> what's, what's Houston's area code? And we have a couple because it's so
1: big. eight three two seven one three two eight one. None of them have to the <laughs> ring a Mr. Worldwide
0: 305. Mr. 305. Yeah. Okay. Well, you are Mrs. Worldwide. And thank you for being with us at Your Friend on the Ground, Aparna. I can't wait to see where you go next. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and thank you to my producer Evan Lindsay for doing all the very important stuff that I do not know how to do. Subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and if you're on Instagram as much as I am, which is a lot, follow me at Sheila YM and at your friend on the ground. Till next time.